Hey, Bible readers, I'm Tara Lee Cobble, and I'm your host for the Bible Recap. Today, we dropped in on the book of Lamentations. No one knows who wrote this book, but most people throughout history have connected it to the major prophet Jeremiah. It's a book of poetry written as a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian exile. So who better to offer up that kind of book than someone known as the Weeping Prophet? Not only is Jerusalem's destruction the worst thing that has ever happened to the people of Israel by far, but Jeremiah himself had spent years warning them about it while suffering the consequences of their unwillingness to listen. Chapter 1 focuses on the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, a.k.a. Zion. The once-thriving capital of Judah has been emptied out. Her enemies rule over her former inhabitants. They've lost everything. All along, God has been asking them to remember. And now they finally do. But they don't remember Him. They remember the things they used to have and the peace they used to experience. Verse 7 says, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. Not only did Jerusalem forget what God had done in their past, but they also forget what God has promised for their future. Anytime we choose sin, we fail to consider the future. Sin occurs when we live so much in the present that we forget about the eternal kingdom. Sin is short-sighted. The Israelites are living in nostalgia for a time when they'd been disobedient to God. They longed for the days when things were easier for them, but if you recall, those were days when they were sacrificing their children and worshiping idols at the high places. This is not exactly righteous mourning. There is a way to grieve and mourn to the glory of God, but so far in Lamentations, this isn't it. The author goes on to express all the ways God has directed this destruction. Chapter 1 tells us that God afflicted them. He inflicted sorrow. He sent fire. He thwarted their efforts. He weakened them and handed them over to their enemies. And it's true, they're not wrongly blaming God. God has been telling them all along that he would do these things if they didn't repent. And the author shows us that Judah finally owns their role in this. It says, The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. Not only does this verse remind us that God is just, but it also makes the truths of verses 12 through 16 bearable. And in verse 20, it sounds like Jerusalem truly repents. It says, My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. They mourn and grieve their actions, not just the consequences. Meanwhile, their enemies gloat over what's happening to them. In chapter 2, we get a second poem about the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. It points out ways that their relationship with God has been affected by this disaster. Verse 5 says, The Lord has become like an enemy. Like an enemy. He's not an enemy, but it certainly feels like it to them but they know that his actions were justified. He was enacting a necessary discipline for their sins. The consequences of this discipline reach further than just the destruction of their home. In addition to that, God himself seems to go radio silent. The prophets have no visions or words from the Lord. The elders sit on the ground in silence. When I've been through emotionally challenging situations, sometimes the only peace I can access is the nearness of God and the comfort of his word. If I didn't have that, I would absolutely despair. I actually experienced that once, and it wrecked me. The silence of God is devastating, and it exacerbates the pain of the trials. If you're in that space right now and you feel alone, you're not alone. God is drawing near to you even as you fix your eyes on these pages. The time of your trial does have an end. Okay, back to Judah. 
They know this is all part of God's plan. Verse 17 says, The Lord has done what He purposed. He has carried out His word, which He commanded long ago. Maybe they're finally remembering that this is what He's been warning them about. This is not some knee-jerk reaction to their sin. God hasn't lost His temper. In the midst of Judah's worst tragedy, I love that we're reminded that God is patient and methodical. We aren't walking on eggshells around Him. He isn't volatile or unpredictable in that way. My Godshot was the very existence of this book in Scripture. What does it reveal to us about God that He included this book for us? I believe it shows us that He is a God who can not only handle our feelings and emotions, but also values them and wants to engage with us on that level. Chapter 2, verse 19 says it like this, Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. These poems contain a lot of feelings and frustrations, and the author pours it out unguarded before the Lord. God receives and values our emotions, even when they're the result of our sins. He wants us to talk with Him about what we're feeling. We've seen all along how He's after our hearts. He doesn't just want a one-dimensional, glossy love. He engages with the good, the bad, and the ugly in our hearts. How else can He work with us on those levels if we keep the ugly emotions back from Him? Who will speak truth to our struggles if we keep them in the dark? Throw some light on it. Talk to Him about it. He will meet you there. And He's where the joy is. If you've ever left a Bible study frustrated because it lacked accountability, structure, or transparency, then D-Group is for you. D-Group has been described as the CrossFit of Bible studies for a reason. There's structure, there's accountability, but anyone can do it, and you will strengthen your relationship with God as a result. Check out the show notes to watch a short promo video, or you can find or start a D-Group near you by visiting mydgroup.org forward slash map. The Bible Recap is brought to you by D-Group, discipleship and Bible study groups that meet in homes and churches around the world each week.